And welcome back to another episode of the No Class Podcast. Of Woo-hoo. course, yours truly, Anthony J. And I am Chantel. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome for another episode in this new semester. Uh, how you feeling today, Chantel? I'm good. I'm very excited. I think I'm always excited to have these conversations. Like, maybe I just talk too much, but I don't know. Like, I'm just always excited because I feel like I like learning new stuff. And um, I think this is definitely going to be something that um, a lot of people can learn from this conversation that we're heading into right now. How are you? I'm good. I mean, uh, weather is a lot for me and it's been feeling good these last couple of days. Um, and I can't decide what I want to do because it's like the weather where you put your windows up and it feels good in your house and it feels good outside. I'm like, do I want to stay? Do I want to go? Um, so the weather yeah, is too good. sexy for you right now, huh? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited about today's conversation too. Um, we've been, um, and Chantel's going to introduce it, but I'll just say that we've been kind of talking about planning this or finding something to talk around this because it has come up for for both of us for at least I think probably a year and so it's exciting that like this entire year of preparation and having conversations around it's like today is the day yes 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 and so um, we have our guest with us our substitute teacher that is gonna help us through this conversation and go ahead and introduce yourself Hey, uh, so everybody, I'm Franco Mueller Paz. I am a teacher in Baltimore City Schools, been teaching in uh, public schools for the last 10 years, and have been elected to represent within the Baltimore Teachers Union for three consecutive years as a building representative. And right now, I am running for 12th District City Council seat here in Baltimore. Nice. Franca, Franca, I'm so glad that you're on here. Um, I've been on committees with Franca and I was like so excited when I found out that you was running and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is so great. Yes, you very even, close to home. You even trained my t- uh, teachers at my school, Anthony. Remember that was <laughs> only a year ago. Isn't that insane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Was like we do overlap a lot. We have overlapped a few times in different things. Yeah. So you all have heard um, this lovely young lady, Franca, is here, and she is a teacher in public schools, but she's also running for a city council seat. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, what um, a city council person does and um, give a little bit of an explanation on maybe why you're running to? Yeah. So a big part of what a city council person does is what's called constituent services. So it's about listening to the residents that live in your district and really making sure that their needs are being taken care of. And that can be from something as simple as, you know, addressing potholes and trash and alleys and stuff like that uh, to bigger issues like voting on bills around the minimum wage um, and uh, changes that are going to happen within city government. And something else that I see as a really big responsibility of council people is also to be advocating for the kind of policies that we need. So there's some things that the city council person can control. Uh, Baltimore has some really messed up uh, laws in relationship to the state that has taken away some of that control, uh, especially well around our police, our schools, our public transit system, even our zoo is not controlled by the city. And that's not a surprise wow. to any of us, right? That's like because of uh, uh, racist thinking that uh, leadership in Baltimore, a uh, majority black city can't like handle controlling their own stuff. And that's something that we have to fight back and push back on. 
Uh, but that said, I think it is really important that for city council people that you do have an enormous megaphone as a public representative. And so it's really important that whether you have direct influence on uh, laws to change a situation or not, like your voice matters and your ability to like raise up the voices of the people most affected by issues is really powerful, right? So um, those are to me some of the most important things. Yeah, so addressing constituents services, what's going on, passing local bills, like bills around wages, uh, and also really trying to elevate the fight for what we need at a larger level, um, even if we don't directly have impact on it. I love, I love that um, you gave the explanation because I feel like a lot of us um, in Baltimore or a lot of us in these different cities, we don't understand our local government. We don't understand how our local government is supposed to work for us, especially when we look at media coverage and we only see like um, the presidential election is supposed to be the most important or uh, we see like mayoral, which is, you know, still local or gubernatorial, which is, you know, statewide, but we don't understand the different um, hierarchy and how everyone works in unison or how it is kind of like puzzle pieces, you know, almost and how we're supposed to understand what local government is supposed to do for us. So um, that's another reason why I appreciate you being here because I feel like you can offer a lot of education with that. So uh, thank you. And, You're um, welcome. <laughs> and um, Anthony, I just want to know if you have any questions, because we have a lot, we have so many questions for you right now, because like I said, like there is just no basic understanding of local government. Even when we learn in school, we learn about the branches of federal government. You know, we don't even learn about what's going on within our own cities and our own streets. We don't know why. Uh, there are bike poles being put up around our on our streets or we don't know why um, like our roads aren't being paved or why the trash cans are this way you know so just small stuff like that so Anthony I'm gonna throw it to you and see if you have any questions to start with Franca so I have a question on a like knowing Franca kind of thing it's like oh you're running for city council and it wasn't like a, oh I can't believe she's doing that but it's like oh I never heard her like mention or seem like a political thing was in her future and so what brought you to the you know what i'm gonna run for city council what was the thing that did that and what was it that made you say hey i'm gonna run as a green as well yeah so uh wasn't thinking about running that was not in my plans <laughs> you know i've been really uh excited to be involved in uh you know being a teacher in my classroom and using that as an organizing space. And I feel like that's where a lot of this started. So I try to use my classroom to really lift up the voices of students. So uh, letting it be a you know fertile ground for students to start their own organizations and to try to really follow the things that inspire them. So you know, I always tell students like, if you've got an idea, I don't care if it doesn't exist yet, like come to me and let's see what we can do and if like you have the power to really you know get other students energized too like let, let's make this thing happen and so um there's been a couple of projects that have kind of come through my classroom in that way and one has been somos which is students organizing a multicultural open society they started it in 2014 and it's been a, a group of students that's been fighting against systemic injustice in the school system and they bring in a special perspective, which is that a lot of the students in the group are allies or are themselves immigrant students from all over the world, like be it Central or South America, the Middle East, um, the Caribbean. And so, you know, they uh, really approach that issue with that lens. Uh, and then another project that students started is called the English Spanish Intercambio, and that's where that started in 2016. And this, and all of these are completely student led, like students do all, all the legwork, you know, I'm just there really to cheer them on. Uh, but this was a program started by a student uh, in her junior year. And it was an assignment that I'd given, which was like, we have a massive illiteracy problem in Southeast Baltimore. Uh, what could we do if we, if we, put in all of the students that are in my classes to try to solve this issue. We're gonna throw 
you know, uh, nearly 170 kids to like get into the fight. Uh, what could we do to address this issue? Like we got, we don't have money, but we've got people like, what can we do? <laughs> and she came up with an amazing idea, which was that uh, students that were learning Spanish could go into the Spanish speaking community and teach English literacy. And that those Spanish speaking people could support these students with their Spanish that they were working on. And so it started four years ago. It's an amazing program. And she ultimately went to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, I think on like a full ride a community service scholarship. Uh, so um, really amazing stuff. And a lot of students have been able to use this work to really like keep furthering their dreams post high school graduation. Um, but so all this really cool work was going on. And uh, last fall, I as an organizer started to get really frustrated because I felt like everyone was doing their part. Like I see kids working so hard to like address the issues that are in our city, um, you know, and like whether that's by doing direct services like Intercambio, whether, whether it was students walking out of the classroom around uh, um, protecting black life against police brutality around climate justice. Uh, we have them really, really fighting hard and then we try to reach out to elected officials and like we just had this feeling of like where are our champions at like we have the people are doing the work like we need to make sure that we have elected officials that are going to like keep pushing with us to make the changes that we need and so we realized that we just felt like we didn't have a champion in this district. And so I talked with my students. Uh, I talked with other leaders within the Baltimore Teachers Union. And we said, okay, you know, like, let's give, let's give this thing a try. And so uh, there were some really, you know, solid progressive folks running in the Democratic primary. I wanted to see if they could unseat the incumbent that we have. And I said, you know, like, I'm not going to touch that race at all. Let's see if one of these guys can pull it off. Uh, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. And then we said, okay, then we're going to come at this third party and we're going to go at it again in the general because we don't want to wait four more years to try to get someone in office that's really going to fight on behalf of, you know, the students and families and workers, all of whom are really fighting for our city's future. So uh, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what made this happen. <laughs> And so what is the difference, some of the differences between um, a green and um, Democrat and then Republican and some of a, like, I know there's not a like one size fits all for all of these parties, but kind of like, what is the difference? And we oftentimes don't get to hear about people that are running for the green party. And can you talk about why that is? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest differences is where does the money come from? So a lot of, or, and almost all, I don't know, but a lot of uh, Republican and Democratic candidates take corporate money. Uh, they run and companies and developers uh, put money in their pocket. Often these companies will put money to the Republican candidate, to the Democratic candidate. Um, if there's multiple mayoral candidates, they'll give money to all of them because they just want to feel like they are whoever wins they're gonna have their influence, right? Because they help them win their election. And so all these developers, these corporations throw money at these candidates, the candidates accept it. And then they're, you know, beholden to them when they're in office, or at least they feel that way. And so that's why I think there's so many times where really like anti-people, pro-corporation decisions get made. And one easy one to point that out is Comcast, right? We live in a totally democratically controlled city. It's been democratically controlled for many, many, many decades. Uh, and yet Comcast was able to get this amazing deal, a super sweetheart deal uh, to get what's called a franchise agreement that gives them almost exclusive access and rights to the infrastructure that gets internet into our house, right? So they get to operate essentially as a monopoly. Um, technically, they'll say that other people could come into the business if they want to, but it's so difficult and so burdensome and so expensive that it just like is not happening, which is why Comcast is more or less the only show in town when it comes to getting internet. And how did they get a 10-year deal? That's really crazy, right? It means we have to wait for like three different cycles of elected officials before you get to like re-vote on something. And so... What did they do? They lobbied and donated uh, 
to like almost everybody that's within our, our city hall, tons of candidates that are in our state house. And so they have a tremendous amount of influence and something that the Green Party will not do. Part of the ethics of the Green Party is no corporate, uh, no accepting corporate funds, no corporate PAC money or political action committee money. And so that means that our campaigns are like truly funded by the people. And when it comes to the decisions that we need to make as elected officials, we are beholden to the people, which is how it should be. Uh, I really think there should be a, you know, uh, a total stop or cap on how much these companies can give because it's really corrosive to democracy. You know, there was a candidate in the first district that got $30,000 $30, from the Atlas company. Company. And Atlas was, you know, famous this summer because of the story of the young boy Dallas, right, who tried to go into one of the Atlas restaurants, I want to say it was Uzo Bay, and uh, wasn't allowed in because of the clothes he was wearing when there was a, a white child wearing basically the same thing, right? And this company that is like racially excluding people from coming to eat, um, whether it's Dallas or even, you know, uh, Jill Carter, who's one of our state senators, she went to try to go eat at this restaurant and uh, they, her whole group of friends had ordered food and they, one of them was asked to leave because he was wearing jeans after they had already ordered food and sat down at this restaurant. So this restaurant that has racist policies, does racist actions, is able to put 30K into a, into an, uh, into someone's election campaign, you think if that person wins, they're not gonna do a bunch of stuff for Atlas. So thankfully uh, that candidate lost, um, but you know, it is, I think it's outrageous how much corporate money is able to get into our politics. And, and, but that's one of the big reasons why I'm proud to be a green is that we, you know, aren't gonna allow our campaigns to be funded by developers and corporations. Bronca, that was, such a good example and you make me want to nerd out in talking about the we're always talking about in, in my job and trying to get people to see the attachment between people just say systemic racism but what we're talking mm -hmm. about is an institution to an institution hello and, and the culture and all of that connecting it was a perfect example with uzo and with comcast yes um, and thank you for that beautiful illustration absolutely i'm just absolutely. gonna say that before i nerd out and keep going <laughs> Go full nerd. I want you to dive in, Anthony. Yeah, I want to hear more. I want to hear more because I think it's so interesting that you pointed out um, I, that was something that I had no idea, like the whole the whole backing of these different political, well, not those different political systems, but Republican and Democratic parties is corporate money. And one of the main things and one, one of the reasons why a lot of people wanted to um, vote in Bernie Sanders and his whole socialism idea is because of the um, the idea that we can all have a form of equality and it's just something that's set up to not work at all given given the fact that he was going to run under the Democratic Party in the first place you know so there was going to be something that he was going to lose from that anyway so I think it's so um, important that you pointed that out and. I want to hear what you got to say, Anthony, because I'm interested. Like, this was just so interesting that you said that. Like, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Xfinity and Comcast suck. Like, I'm just like, their service is terrible. Every time I get on, never mind, no rant, because I'm sure everybody, yeah. everybody who's listening uses Xfinity and they know. Okay. So. And they don't have to be better. And they, they have no pressure to be better. They have no pressure to give better prices because... They have total control of the city. Like they don't feel like they have to do anything. They're not beholden to anyone. They're not competing with anybody. So they don't, there's, there's nothing that they need to do. Right. So um, that's why it's so messed up that they're able to have all this power in the city. Uh, and that's how, you know, so recently they dropped a $650,000 invoice to city schools, like on uh, Dr. Santa Lisa's desk being like, if you don't want us to shut off the internet on your kids come the fall, you need to pay up. And they wanted her to pay a whole, that was going to be worth like a whole year of internet essentials. And I'll talk about internet essentials and how big of a problem that is. Mm -hmm. But um, they wanted the school district to pay 
upfront a whole year of their uh, nasty internet, <laughs> 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 which like, I, like, I will like really like go in on like why their internet does not work, but for a whole, like a whole year upfront, uh, and you know, like they're basically like harassing our school system, trying to shake them down for this money for a product that isn't really good enough to get our kids online and saying like you need to pay a year up front like what you know and when when advocates have been pushing back when the school district have been pushing back like they know at the end of the day we have no choice but to pay right yeah. like we, because there's nowhere we can turn and we tried like we we um we really pushed and the, the school district saw through the advocacy that I was doing with students. So, you know, when COVID popped off and we saw that the whole digital learning thing was not working because kids couldn't get online, we started really going after this issue. So uh, got some big wins. We won $3 million from the city hall to go towards closing the digital divide. Uh, we had schools giving up every single device that they had to go to kids to get them online. And then there was this internet problem. So we started really pushing on Comcast being like, Comcast, you need to be a better partner. You need to increase your speeds. Da -da 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 -da. And they were really unwilling to do anything uh, because they, they just felt like they don't have to. And so uh, the school district saw what a terrible partner they were being. So they went to T-Mobile and started trying to do T-Mobile hotspots to be like, you know what, Comcast, like we don't need to use you. But at the end of the day, the hotspots were too expensive and it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't going to work. And, and, and Comcast knew, right, that that was going to be where we're at. And so now the school district has this like impossible decision about how they're going to get their kids online on Tuesday when school starts. Um, and just being like, man, like we're being like held like for ransom, basically, you know, like being extorted by this uh, insanely uh, rich company, which by the way, COVID has been treating Comcast Xfinity very nicely. During COVID, they had their best second quarter in 13 years of new customers that are paying customers. 13 year best. They've made uh, billions of dollars in profits, and then they're coming at not just Baltimore, but school districts all over the country that are freaking out about getting their kids online and just trying to shake them down for even more, uh, which is insane. And just Ooh, like they dirty, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> like the damn Comcast mobsters. I can't. <laughs> yeah. So this makes me want to ask about the uh, the portion of the um, that we kind of like what Chantel and I were talking about and, and thinking about this idea about a year ago is that we're told oftentimes that we need to go and we need to vote and that it's so much more than just getting to the ballot box and going to vote because there's been plenty of times that I have and I've shared with other people and I was like, what is this bill or what is this thing that I'm voting on? It's like, I don't know. I only went and I was told to vote for these one or two people and that was it. Um, and then my journey has moved from that to trying to educate myself before I get to cast my vote. And then you still see, and it doesn't materialize in the way that you want to out of this like two party system of Republican and Democrat, right? And so, um, what do you say to it seems like there are more millennials that are like the system is not working i'm getting fed up with the system um, of this two-party system sometimes at the electoral college or whatever that is um i'll share after you answer ways that i'm trying to find to stay engaged with it but oftentimes after i leave after i vote i'm drained i'm exhausted i'm frustrated because it's like i casted my vote but more so because I'm guilty because my ancestors fought for this, not because I actually really believe in the system. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, it is really, it's about the messaging of how we're supposed to participate in the democratic process. I feel like there's all this messaging that's like, just vote and you're done. Yeah. You know, like, just vote and just go back to sleep for the next four years, like, See you later. And, you know, your participation in the democratic process is over, which is totally not the case, right? And the only people that get served when, like, the only active thing that we do is vote, you know, uh, every four years um, is that uh, things don't move as quickly as they need to. And that's why I think I'm really excited about uh, young people right now because they're just like, 
screw that. Like I'm getting engaged right now all the time and the fight never stops. Um, and so I think, you know, something that, you, you know, we mentioned Bernie Sanders earlier, something I always really appreciated about his messaging was that like winning is just one of the steps, but the real work happens after when you're organizing and pulling people in to win the things that you need to do. And I think that there's so many elected officials that don't see their role as an organizer within their communities, right? They feel like they win and then all of the decision-making is just going to happen in some closed room somewhere and by signing some papers when really, you know, like our job should be that, okay, we won and now I need to like go into my community and organize and get people fired up and like see what they're fired up about and make sure that like I'm putting, uh, you know, um, this community over here to the east together with this one over here on the the West because we're really fighting about the same stuff. So let's get them to come out at the same day. But it's about making sure that people stay engaged, that they know what the bills are that are coming up, because the more people are left out, all of the details and decision making of the elected process of our elected officials, the more stuff is going to pass that at the end of the day is not good for us. But it was so kind of like uh, kept under wraps that people don't have time to really analyze it and like show it for what it really is, right? So um, yeah, I think that uh, voting is really important, but it's also about making sure that we're working together and organizing with each other so that like we hold these people that we vote into office accountable to what we put them in there to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just because the, the information, like I had to take a guess because the information is so much the system is so convoluted. Like sometimes people don't even know where to start, you know? And um, that was just one thing that I was thinking about when you were talking is like, we do have these bills and I absolutely agree with you, what you said, Anthony. It's some stuff I get on there and I'm just like, it's like I'm taking a multiple choice quiz all over again, you know? Because I really don't know. And it's like, yeah, I have been ignorant to this bill or, you know, but how exactly is this information being given to us? It's not most of the times. And how will we even find some of this information? It's such a trick. It's such a slippery slope all the time. Like you, you got to click on one website to go to another website, or you can't get in touch with your councilman. Like if you're in writing or you're sending emails to their offices in Annapolis or something like that, um, they're sending back some of these generic messages sometimes. And it's like, how do we even start to get involved and in, to understand what is being done around us? Like, how, how would you, how would you, um, or what advice would you give to someone who is being fired up by what our conversation is, um, what we're tackling in our conversation and who is just like, I want to participate more. I want to understand more. Like, I can't just, you know, give my vote in November. Like, I do want to be active and I want to push or, you know, make sure I lobby or go to these meetings and things like that. Like, I guess, how would you, um, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting or who wants to be more politically involved? Yeah. So that was something that I also felt like growing up was just that like, oh, like I never have, I, it's too late. It's too late for me to understand what's going on. Like the people that understand what's going on were, uh, were deep into the newspaper and like reading about that stuff and listen and reading those books and whatever. Like I always had this idea, like it's too late for me to be engaged. Like it's too late for me to know all that. Um, and that's not true. Like you can always start. Uh, anything. So even if you have not been engaged to this like level that you wanted to be, it's never too late. And I think it starts with just one, like starting to open up and learn. Um, you know, something that is really helpful for me is that I have like a news podcast that I listen to every day, which is Democracy Now! 
15 minutes and they give you like a rundown of what's going on at like the international level. And that was something that was just like easy for me to like get into. So I would have a kind of idea what's going on. And I think the same goes for like local news, right? Just being like, okay, like every, you know, I'm going to kind of check a little bit each week to see like what's happening and reading a little bit about what's going on. And that's why I also think that podcasts like yours are really important, right? Because it's a place for people to get engaged with what's going on. So whatever it is, whatever is your way, like it's not too late. Uh, just find something that's fun for you to listen to that makes you feel informed. Um, that's really letting you engage with that knowledge. And as you're realizing, okay, you know, like this feels really messed up or like, I really feel like I need to get into this. Uh, this is an activist city. There's a lot of people that are organizing. So I think it's also about like opening yourself up to being willing to like meet new people and start to hear about what some of that good work that's happening right now. And, you know, being brave and trying to like step into that space. Uh, but it's also, there's also some work that needs to go into the organizations around our city to make sure that we are creating welcoming spaces for people to really step into their political selves um, and making sure that we have like an open door for people that are just starting to get conscious. You know, I think sometimes in groups that are doing more radical work, I feel like sometimes there's like this threshold of all these beliefs that you like already need to come ready with and like understandings that you already need to come with to like be a part of the work. Um, and all that does is exclude people, right? Because some people maybe just got radicalized or like opened the door yesterday. So they may not know, like, for example, you know, using the terms abolish, like some people might not know what abolish the police really means, right? Uh, for us that are organizing around abolitionist movements, we know it's not like anarchy and people running through the streets with torches, you know, like it's not going to be like that. Like there's still going to be a concept of public safety, a public safety that's beneficial to everyone, not a select group of people. Um, but that's the thing. Like I think sometimes, so one, uh, individuals like being brave and taking the chance to get connected into those groups and into that work and then also really challenging groups to have an open mind and like be willing to receive people where they're at like they can get to the radical you want them to be at but give them the space to grow um, and like and that involves allowing people to mess up and make mistakes and say stuff that's you know um, that's uh, that's off uh, but being willing to like be a part of that path with someone for, for me i know that this has been a a journey and so it started off as the like just go for me just go vote like you're supposed to it's your responsibility that's it and then when i moved to baltimore the landscape was so different that people were involved a lot more on the local level that i wasn't familiar with and then i got to see the things that i was voting for and having changed and being able to see my council person and being able to see how like community associations impact this i got to see all of that and it like um encouraged me in a different way and so oftentimes when i'm going to vote the thing i'm excited about voting for is locally oftentimes i feel like when it comes to things that are like um federal i'm like ah does my vote even count you know what i mean but the um and and like i said part of that was educating myself on things but i need to add to what i was saying before i would get frustrated and upset but at the same time the system is built that way that even when there were times that I was trying to educate myself on what was gonna be on my ballot, there was still stuff that was there that I didn't know about. There was still language used that I was like, I don't know, do I vote for or against this? And it's actually built in a way that is supposed to like, um, as people of color, it's supposed to make you feel like if you're not in the end, if you're not used to hearing this language all the time, reading all the newspapers with all the political people, then we're excluding you from this and you don't know if you're voting in or, or like for or against your best interest. And so um, something that I try to say to myself too is like, oh, I feel beat up or I feel defeated, but it's also built to try to make me feel that way. 
uh, and make me say, hey, just go vote for that one president or just go vote for the mayor and then be done and don't worry about these other things on here because you can't understand it and you're not in the in group is like part of the way that the system is, is built to continue to perpetuate and not benefit us. No, totally. Yeah, I totally hear you on that 100%. Like, I think it's made to be super exclusionary, for sure. Um, I have another question that is unique to, to this election, is that um, I think we all pretty much have down pat, like, what our options are. Like, I usually prefer to go vote early. We're usually voting in person. And so there's been lots of back and forth is, is there going to be voting in person? Are we mailing in? Can you vote in person early? Um, if you're doing mailing with all the stuff that's happening with the mail, is it going to like, is your vote going to be secure? Is it worth the risk of going in person and catching COVID? <laughs> like, there's all this. So like, what are you recommending to people if they're like, I don't know if I want to ask to mail in my vote or if I want to go in person? Uh, I think it's really important for people to stay healthy and safe. So uh, I've requested already my absentee ballot. So I would recommend, and you can just like Google um, Maryland State Board of Elections, and then you can sign up and uh, make sure all your registration stuff is all good and then request your ballot. So there, there will be there will be early voting. Um, they'll be voting that day of but I just think, you know, uh, you know, there's gonna be so many people. I just think it can, you know, it's gonna be hard to be able to really vote in a way that's safe and like uh, socially distant and that uh, Yeah, so it my personal thoughts is that you know, get it mailed in. And also that way it's like easier on you and your schedule, right? I think it's really hard when we're, um, we're doing so much stuff and like so much of us, like we're working uh, maybe one, two or three jobs. And on top of that, we're organizers. So we're also like doing stuff in the community. Um, and on top of that, you got a whole life. And so, you know, it can be really hard to be like, all right, I'm gonna go stand for two hours, you know, to get this vote. And um, so I think, you know, uh, requesting the, the ballot by mail and being able to vote absentee gives you that freedom so that, you know, you just got to drop it off. What I would say is that I would drop it off if you have the ability and the transportation to do it, to drop it off at one of the, the voting boxes versus just dropping it back off in the mail, um, just because it's been getting so underfunded. Um, and I just feel like everything is being done right now by the White House to like uh, just stab the mailbox office in the back. And so I would recommend that if you can make it to one of those voter ballot um, uh, specific boxes because it'll just be more, it'll be safer and it, it'll get back to the board quicker. Um, but yeah. And to be clear, so then if you don't ask for a mail-in ballot by default, they're assuming that you're going to go and vote in person and you'll have to do it that way. You have to request yeah. the mail-in. Yeah. And I believe you have until October 18th to request a absentee ballot. Okay. I'm going to check those dates right now while we're okay. adding, just to make sure. You, oh, yeah. you were going to say something, Chantel. Um, well, I was thinking um, about... I was, I was still thinking about the two-party system. Um, maybe what do you say to people who um, just see the two-party system and think that those are their only options? Like, um, what can you offer to those people? Because I'm one of them, honestly. Sometimes that, that's my only thing. And I'm, I don't have as much knowledge on independent, how my vote counts. Um, as a person who's an independent or if I'm in a political party like the Green Party. So um, what can you say to those people? Yeah, well, I think that particularly in Baltimore, there right now it's like a one party system because there is very, very little engagement of Republicans, right? So for example, in in this district where I'm running, like the Republican, like I don't think ever gets into double digits. Like it's always single, single digit support. And so uh, it means that there's essentially like one race and it's the primary. Uh, and that's 
how a lot of people feel about it. So a lot of people have been like, ah, I already voted. It was in June and I'm done. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really important. Like this is a democracy. Democracy is about being able to have choices. And so that's why it's important to have third parties on the ballot. And the reason that we don't see third parties that much is that there's like a lot of thresholds that you need to reach to be able to even get on the ballot if you're not a Democrat or Republican. So for example, for me to get on the ballot and for the Green Party to get on the ballot in Maryland, uh, we initially needed 10,000 signatures uh, so that we would even be able to be on the ballot uh, when COVID happened, we filed a lawsuit and requested it to be lowered and it got lowered to 5,000, thank God. Uh, but, you know, that's crazy. Like, why do you need to get like 5,000 signatures like just to be able to appear on the ballot? It's not even about like getting elected. It's just to be able to be on the ballot. Uh, and on top of that, like, it's not even that you just need 5,000 signatures because a lot of your signatures get thrown away. Uh, we turned in just to be safe close to 8,000 signatures because we didn't want to have anything happen no matter how many they threw out that like they could possibly, you know, take our ability to be on the ballot away. And they only accepted 6,100 of them. So thousands, you know, over a thousand of the signatures were thrown out. Uh, and there was another candidate running, she, her name was Amber Ivey, and she's running as an independent uh, in, for the congressional seat, Elijah Cummings congressional seat. She was really awesome and really uh, uh, interesting and potential candidate. And she got in a ton of signatures. I think she needed to have 3,000 something. And she had gotten over four, but they threw out a third of her signatures. And so she wasn't able to get on the ballot. So I think that's really messed up, right? We live in a democracy. People should have choice and should have options. So shouldn't, one, it shouldn't be so hard for these other parties to get on the ticket. And especially in communities like in Baltimore, where there's such a prevalence of the Democratic Party, like it does no harm to have a third party candidate. It's not like the Republicans going to win. Like the percent is so low of their support. Like there's really no danger of like, oh, if I vote green, we could somehow end up with a Republican. Like that's not, just not the reality in Baltimore. It's not happening. Um, and so, you know, people should feel free to really be able to feel like they have a true choice in November, at least in District 12, uh, and not feel like, oh my, you know, like I could be, I could be threatening the seat to become red. Like it's, it's um, numerically like almost impossible. Mm. Did you have a, um, I think a lot of us are kind of given a, like, this is your party um, and you're supposed to align and be like, if you're a Democrat, then sometimes if you don't know, you just vote Democrat. And it's hard for people to kind of like move from that. Um, how affiliated and strongly did you feel like, oh, I'm a Democrat and I'm moving away from that? Or was that easy for you to do and be like, I'm going to be agree? Yeah, to me, like I vote with by the person like I vote for who I think is really representing the needs that we have so four years ago for example like I supported Joshua Harris I thought he was awesome for mayor uh, I was really excited to vote for him um, but yeah like I vote I feel like uh, when I can like I vote with my conscience around you know people that really honor the beliefs that I have so for me, I had definitely been like green curious for a period of time. Uh, I think I have been registered as like an independent, um, but then I registered as a Democrat because I wanted to be able to vote in primaries. Um, so I've like fluctuated, uh, but I did become a registered green, um, yeah, more recently and, and had been really feeling excited about like what greens were doing, especially at the local level uh, and feeling like, you know, I felt really energized by Joshua's mayoral run being like, oh man, like we have, we have another choice. Like we got, we got another, we have another option on our hands. Um, and uh, it's funny, like we did a, we did a mayoral poll at our, at our, at City College at the high school where I teach at, and he won our mayoral poll, like even compared to all the other democratic election, uh, elected. So it was really clear, at least at our school, that youth were super excited about that campaign. And the reason was it was, a, you know, it was an outsider campaign. It was someone like young, fresh, with a lot of energy, and who really had some promising ideas about how to tackle the systemic racist structures that are in our city. 
um, that, you know, we can't keep trying to solve with the same old solutions that we see like aren't, aren't getting us out of this, right? We still have a, um, uh, a homicide rate that the city has to reckon with, like not much of a, you know, clearance uh, in terms of solving violent crimes. And so like, why are we gonna keep throwing more and more and more money at that agency and doing the same old things and militarizing our police more when it hasn't been working? Like we have to try something new. And so, um, so yeah, so I've definitely been green curious <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Um, and when I decided to run, I, I really didn't want to run as a Democrat. Uh, like I said, I didn't want to put any any threat into one of the Democratic candidates winning. I really thought, you know, they would, uh, there were three in particular that really had, uh, really spoke to my beliefs. And I thought that, you know, if one of them won, it would be good for Baltimore. And so I didn't want to get in the way. and It made more sense for me to run as a Green. I didn't know that, um, well, I, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know how um, people could switch different parties. So can you give a little information about that since you've kind of been independent and green and you know, you've kind of switched around a few? Yeah. Oh, and let me correct something really quick. So October 20th, that's the last day to request a mail-in ballot. Um, but yeah, it's really easy. You can do it online. You just go online to the State Board of Elections and you go to like your voter registration and you then just re-register as whatever you want to do. So if you want to be registered as an independent, you can be an independent. Um, register as a Democrat, as a Green, you know, what have you. Uh, but yeah, you can you can do it all on your phone online. And it's, uh, uh, it takes like five minutes. So we have talked about in our time in the education system, we've talked about COVID, elections, policing. Um, what is a, a topic or something that you're focused in or zeroed in, in your campaign that we haven't talked about on this conversation that you want to maybe lift before we close out? Hmm. So I think one of the big things that I've been trying to fight for is around education. And I think that that's something, you know, like speaking of like that ab abolitionist conversation and language uh, and like defund language that we use a lot when we're talking around policing um, and people can get like really like it's a it's a strong word. Right. And some people are, can get really like fired up about like, what do you mean defund? Like and get really, you know, uh, it's, it's, scared by that language. But I think it's really important for us to be like, uh, we've been defunding a lot of important stuff and we need to be thinking and reckoning with that, right? We've been defunding our education system. We've been defunding housing. We've been defunding mental health support. Like we are defunding a lot of stuff. Uh, and so it's about thinking about, you know, what are our priorities? And something that has just, it's, it's not a priority for our city right now is education. Uh, we put 15% of our overall budget for Baltimore City, just about 15% goes towards education, which is crazy because in the rest of the state of Maryland, all those other districts, their average is 36%. We are the district that gives the least amount of money, like percentage wise towards schools. And so when we've got schools that have no AC, that have non-functioning heat, and like I've had three years where I had no heat in my classroom, the only heat was the sun that came through the window. Like we have schools that have infestations of cockroaches, of mice, uh, where the kids can't take the books home, where, uh, you know, we've got like one or two labs that need to be shared by hundreds of kids to be able to access technology. Like, all that stuff is going on because we're not valuing our kids education like right now even though we know that there's so much like our hurt and trauma happening in our city the the ratio for guidance counselors is like one guidance counselor for every 900 kids like what are you going to do with that caseload like that's in, that's insane you have 180 days to see the kids like uh, even if like you, tr like how, you, like, it it's crazy. Like you never, you never get to see those kids. You never get to see all your kids. It's impossible. And so, uh, I think it's really important for us to think about like, what are we doing with our city budget and really thinking about what are we going to do to invest in the stuff that is the 
some of which are the root causes of the hurt we're seeing in our city and the violence that occurs in our city. Like when we're not taking care of our kids, we're not investing in them. We're not investing in their future. We're not investing in their mental health and stability. Uh, we're not making sure our kids are okay. Like that's going to have some real life consequences in our city. Uh, and so I think it's really important that, you know, this is an opportunity that all these activists have created for us, like all this work that's been going on in the streets, all the marches, uh, painting defund uh, across the pavement, like all this work has created the like, political pressure to get something done and it should not go by wasted. Like we need to take now to relook at these budgets and see, you know, what really matters to us at a city? And is it putting band-aids on top of the, you know, symptoms of, uh, you know, uh, decades and centuries worth of systemic racism? Because that's what we're doing by over-policing our city. That's like putting a band-aid on a symptom of the disease. Or are we actually going to do the the things that are going to start to like build our communities up and give them the chance to thrive that they really deserve, right? We got a lot of people surviving right now. When are we going to do the work so that they could actually like be out here living and enjoying life and getting all of the, the things that they deserve, which include quality education, access to housing, access to mental health. Um, so that that's to me one of, one of the important things that we're trying to fight for within the campaign. Thank you. I'm looking at you, Chantel, if you have anything else. <laughs> so we are going to move into homework time with that. Classmates, classmates, get out the pins and papers, get ready to take down your homework. Oh, gosh. I feel like you just gifted us with so many presents and, and, and wrapped so much into this. This is yes. so great. Um, it is homework time. This is the time where we assign stuff to you all classmates um, to do some more looking into, listening into, watching into. Um, I'm going to go first and I'm going to reveal it before this. I was disappointed because I was just like, oh, I don't have to do homework on council person because Franca, I'm in Franca's district. And then I just learned yesterday and confirmed today that I'm not. So... <laughs> My homework for you is to look at the map and make sure you know what district you're in, make sure you learn about your council people that are running, yeah. and also learn about other local things um, that is going to be on your ballot um, this fall. So that is going to be my homework for you. Great homework. Yeah. Franca, do you have any? Because I'm going to do mine and then close it out after you. Excellent. Well, uh, if it can be around folks getting, is it all right if it's around folks getting engaged with the campaign somehow? Cool. So uh, every Sunday we are doing stoop concerts at 6 p.m. So check us out on social media. You can find me at, at Franco Mueller Paz on Instagram, on Twitter, or at Franco Mueller Paz as one on Facebook, and you'll see a calendar of all of our events uh, every Sunday, which is our stoop concerts and uh, town halls with folks in the community. So come check it out and you can talk to me about specific issues that are important to you. Uh, get to hear some great music from local artists, uh, which we're trying to support through the campaign. It's been a rough time for musicians, so a little way for us to get to give back to musicians too. Um, but yeah, come check it out and you can find out more about the issues that we're fighting for, figure out how to volunteer, or if you feel like you want to donate by checking out francaforthepeople.com. I got to say too that like it is so to classmates if you haven't already seen Franca's social media and all of your stuff. It's so fun and inviting. It's like, oh, she's on a float playing music, but it's also like, vote for me. And it's like, even like when I start, saw your sign, I was like, oh, if I didn't know Franca, I'd be like, I want to know about her. Like, so good job on the way, like your, your branding, because I think it very much fits into who you are too. Um, I think a lot of times we see like people do the same thing. And I think that you have really been like, this is my personality. And it's like, yes, I'm a candidate, but like, this is me first. And this is how I'm going to run and organize like I have been. So go ahead, Chantel. Dope. Um, I can't wait to check out your Stoop concerts and all this other information. Um, I'm definitely going to be doing this homework with you, Anthony, um, in terms of 
checking out my district. And I, I knew at one point in time, especially when my father was living, he was very politically active. Um, and he is friends with, uh, he was friends with a lot of delegates and um, senators too. So that's just kind of been in my blood a little low key. Um, but my homework, because I know I'm overwhelmed um, <laughs> and I can not imagine um, how much um, information and, and, you know, all these other things that are being flooded into everyone's system and psyche is overwhelming everybody. And I think I have plugged this before, but I definitely want to plug it again. I'm not getting paid for it. Like no class is not getting paid for this, but I wanted to plug the Liberate app, um, which is a meditation app for people of color. Like they have, pe they have guided med meditations um, and voices for people of color. So you definitely feel a little bit more. I know um, the first meditation I did, it was very emotional for me and I absolutely, it caught me off guard y'all. Like I was not expecting it, um, but mostly because it was someone whose voice I, it just was so familiar to me. And um, the the speech and the the meditation and the mantra that was being said, it really, um, struck me in a different way. So I encourage you all, if you are feeling a bit overwhelmed um, with everything going on, and I don't even have to mention everything because it's more than what we see in the media. Everybody is dealing with their own things. Um, but if you are having trouble or if you um, need a bit of encouragement or to work through things and you haven't reached out to anyone, I encourage you to use the Liberate meditation app um you can download it from the google play store or oh damn is google play look i've been an iphone user for so long i don't even know if google play still store but if the google the google play store um and from the apple um applications app um so that is my homework now um i want to close out uh thank you so much franca for being here and for sharing your light sharing your wisdom and for helping our classmates and myself and i know anthony in particular um you know we have just been so um it's just been a lot it's just been a lot going on in our political sphere we've been seeing so much and I just want everyone to know that that isn't the only truth that you see in the media. And I appreciate you being here and exposing um, some of the things and the cracks of the system that we didn't even know about as common people. So I appreciate it. <laughs> um, can you plug your social media, Franca? Yeah, definitely. And I wanna say that that's like, and we kind of addressed this before, right? That that's all on purpose. Like we're all made to feel like we're not like, don't have the ability or not good enough to like be involved and understand that, that stuff. And that is all on purpose. Like it wouldn't be that much work to make sure that there was an open communication and sharing of what's going on and how these decisions gets made and all this stuff, but we're not making the choices to do it because for whatever reason, like, you know, there, there are people that win when there isn't transparency. And so, you know, I think it's really important and we need to be pressuring, uh, you know, government to be like more clear and upfront with what's going on. And we need to make sure that we're taking care of our, our new system to make sure that they're able to do the coverage they need, right? They're also suffering too. And I think it, it makes it harder for us to stay informed about what's going on. Um, but yeah, so uh, for my social media, uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Franca Mueller Paz, or you can follow me on Facebook at Franca Mueller Paz One and check out our website, FrancaForThePeople.com. Yes, yes. Now, you guys are listening to No Class Podcast. So if you are uh, unaware of where you can find us, let me reintroduce you. You can find us as No Class Podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and Instagram. On Twitter, we are no underscore class podcast. We're on Tumblr, no dash class podcast. And please, if you have any questions, you want to reach out to be a guest on our show, um, you want to 
you want us to send a message along to Franca, um, you can email us at no.classpodcast at gmail.com. We need you guys to go on these the iTunes app store and we need you to rate us. Um, it's very important because we want our show to reach more people and so that everyone can know what's going on around us and how we're taking care of our community. Um, the conversations we are having right now, that's for community care. Um, and we love our community. We want everyone to love our community and to understand that we got us, you know? Um, also, we're accepting donations. Give me the money, okay? Um, we have a lot of projects that we are trying to do with No Class Podcast, and we'd appreciate any donations you can offer to us. I don't care if it's five cents, 99 cents. Like, um, it's just something we need because even during COVID, like, Anthony and myself were always thinking of different things um, to help improve the quality and help spread our voices um, and give back to the community in Baltimore. So please go to our um, our donation page on our IG or you know within our on our on our page and uh, donate. Like you know you want to donate. I mean y'all got five cents whatever yeah yeah um yeah that's it thank you all yes thank you all thank you again franca this is a dope episode y'all stay melanated hydrated and glowed up and we will see y'all next time